You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud. The new web hosting plan from Bluehost, with 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The Wendigo is a mysterious monster, a creature of legend that was created on our fear of hunger, our fear of each other, our fear of the cold, all combined into one. It is a spirit that possesses a person who has tasted the flesh of his fellow man, causing him to become an inhuman monster whose hunger can never be satisfied. People, of course, are its favorite dish. It's best to flee the woods as quickly as possible if you believe a wendigo is near, or else you might have an experience like these folks. Enjoy these allegedly real stories of sightings with wendigo. If you have an experience of your own, be sure to share it with us at darknessprevails.org. Also, if you're wanting to help us write a scary book as a community, voting for the first chapter begins today. All you have to do is go to forgefiction.com slash book slash 153 and vote for your favorite chapter. Wendigo at the Cabin From Jake Location Granby, Colorado. This story happened when I was 10 years old. My grandpa owns a 200-acre property with a cabin up in Granby, Colorado that is surrounded by forest, which he allows my family to go to. Me and my sister were sleeping in the second floor of this cabin, where there are two beds and a window overlooking the property and the long driveway. We had just gotten up there after a long drive and all of my family had fallen asleep. But I woke up at 1.30 a.m. to a loud scream or maybe a howl. I quickly went to the window to check it out, but the sound seemed too far away from me to see what it was, so I brushed it off as nothing. About half an hour later, I woke up again to the sound of scraping on the roof so I hid underneath the covers. I spent probably five minutes under those covers, but it felt like an hour. While I was under them, I suddenly heard a thump on the ground. I finally mustered the courage to look out the window, and then I saw something that I'll never forget. A huge, skinny creature was crouched in the driveway. It had a long snout, but not like a dog's. It also had antlers poking out of its head. I quickly grabbed a flashlight to shine on it, and that was a bad idea. As soon as the flashlight hit it, it whipped around and looked right at me. That's when I saw its yellow, rotten-looking teeth and white, solid eyes. The thing and I stared at each other for about 10 seconds. Then it ran off incredibly quickly. With a flash, it was gone. The following morning, I told my dad what I saw excitedly, but he said that I was probably just dreaming. When I went outside, I saw large hoof prints like tracks, but oddly enough, there was a claw at the end of one of the toes. 
This wasn't your regular deer or elk, that's for sure. And the encounters did not end there. Two days later, my sister and I were following a herd of cows my grandpa kept on his property. The cows were very calm and let us walk around them. They were in a clearing with trees surrounding it. But suddenly, as we were in the clearing, the cows spooked and just ran off. In the trees across from where we came into the clearing, there I saw the creature from a couple of nights ago. It was staring at us. The two of us were frozen in fright. Then the creature began to stand up, nearly resembling a person. Nearly. And it seemed to be grinning at us like a person would, if they wanted to scare you. At that point, my sister and I sprinted back to the cabin. Neither me nor my sister went out without a parent after that. It's been three years since that incident, and I've done some research since then, and I know what we saw was a Wendigo. Though you can't really say that, because people say the Wendigo doesn't exist. Eyes in the Woods From J. Min Location, West Dover, Vermont For context, this happened during the first week of August in 2016. It must have been around the same time as the Brazil Summer Olympics. Every kid growing up gets the feeling that they're being watched in the middle of the night. That there's a monster under their bed. Their parents would show them that there was nothing there to be afraid of, assure them that monsters do not exist, and that would be the end of things. I was one of those kids. Every night before I went to sleep, I would check under my bed and look inside my closet to make sure nothing was there. After I would determine that they were both clear, I would go to sleep. I grew out of that constant fear and dismissed the idea of monsters, but I never thought that fear would one day catch up to me. It was a bright summer day in West Dover, Vermont. I was on a weekend getaway with two of my closest friends, Jay and Dan. We were all 16 at the time, getting ready to start our junior years of high school in three weeks. Our families are very close, and Jay's family offered a trip to the rest of us. Jay's grandfather owns a cabin along the edge of the Dover County Forest, right next to Cheney Brook. They would use the house in the winter during the ski season, whenever they wanted to ski on Mount Snow, which overlooks the valley. It was particularly cool that August morning, only getting to about 66 degrees by midday. My friends and I are very avid hikers, and a small trail, no longer than six miles long, goes right past the cabin. Seeing this as an opportunity to get away from our families, we packed up a tent, sleeping bags, and some other essentials, then headed out onto the trail. We made our way to the trailhead on the other side of the development and turned back around at about 4 p.m. We got about four miles in on the walk back and decided to set up camp as it was getting dark. We found a clearing on the side of the trail and got to work. I built a fire pit out of rocks I found in the area, while Jay and Dan gathered sticks to build a fire. We got the fire going around 7.30 and started cooking the hot dogs that we had brought with us. We turned on some music, shared a few stories, and overall we were having a great time. Jay brought three beers from the fridge in the cabin, so each of us cracked one open and sipped on them while we were eating. The fire began to dim around 8.30, so we all went to grab some more sticks. While I was collecting sticks, the speaker stopped playing music since my phone's Bluetooth was out of range. For a few minutes, I got a chance to listen to the natural sounds of the wilderness. However, there were no sounds, no birds chirping, no crickets making noise, not even a breeze making the leaves rattle. It was absolutely silent. I felt uneasy and made my way back to camp. The whole time I was walking back, I felt as though I was being watched, and a chill ran down my spine. 
once I made it back to the fire with my kindling, I could see a look of confusion on Jay's face. He was watching the opposite way of me when I got back, and he seemed confused to see me when he turned around. How did you get behind me so fast? I was just talking to you a second ago over there. He pointed off in the direction that he had been staring in when I came back, and I assured him that I wasn't over there. Well, what did you need help with then? You kept saying, help me. At this point, I was shaken. No one else was on the trail with us at that time of night, and Dan was only a couple of meters away from me when we were collecting sticks, so I knew that it wasn't Dan trying to mess around with Jay. At this point, Dan came back, and we all just decided that it was nothing. We didn't play any music at this point, and the sounds of the wild sparked back up. A good hour went by, and we all felt pretty tired by this point. Dan went into the tent. Jay and I were getting ready to put the fire out. Then it happened again. The woods went silent, and I immediately got chills. Jay and I didn't like the vibe in the area, and we were hesitant to stay out, but we did anyway. Hey! Jay and I both turned around fast. A voice called out from the tree line. We were startled. Help me. The voice called out again. Help me. The voice was deep and distorted, and it just didn't sound right. Jay and I were on edge, and Dan had just come back out of the tent. Did you hear that? He asked. We were all looking off into the tree line for about 15 more minutes, but whatever was there got quiet. Jay turned on the video camera that he brought with him and began filming the tree line to see if he could spot something, anything. Suddenly, we heard a shriek. The sound was unlike any animal I'd ever heard. It started off similar to an elk's call, but there was a human nature to it, like a person screaming with the voice. We all stood up. Again, we heard the shriek, only this time it was closer. Terrified, we all jumped into the tent. I knew that whatever was out there was no elk, because elk in that area are not very common, and they have a higher, more consistent pitch than this thing screeching. We heard the shriek again. Luckily, it did not seem as close as the one before. All of us went into panic mode, looking to each other for answers and a way to get out of this situation. At this point, Dan opened the tent door. He got out of the tent and began to run. Jay and I exchanged looks and followed him down the trail. We were running faster than we had ever run before. All of us were experienced in cross-country, so we all knew how to pace ourselves. The only difference here was the sheer adrenaline running through our bodies, changing our mindsets, and instead of pacing ourselves, we made ourselves run as fast as possible. The sky was clear. The moon was almost full, its light cascading through the canopy, lighting up the trail. The entire time we ran, we could hear rustling in the brush behind us with the eventual groan of whatever was chasing us. About a mile away from the trailhead, we were all pretty tired and began to slow down. At this point, we heard something dart right past us in the brush. It moved faster than anything I'd ever seen. We all stopped in our tracks. None of us knew what was going on and I had never had so much fear in my life. We saw a shadow dart across the trail in front of us, and once it went back into the brush, we ran again. It almost sounded like it was circling us as it followed us back to the cabin. It only took us 12 minutes to cover the two miles of trail to the cabin, and as soon as we made it to the trailhead, we took off towards the cabin. We made it to the door, ran inside, and locked the door behind us. We then frantically ran to every door and window in the cabin, making sure they were locked. Jay's parents, who were the only ones up at the time, did not understand why we were back so early from our hike, but before they could ask us any questions, there was a thud 
on the roof. Everyone grew quiet. There was a second thud, then two quick ones, progressively moving towards the deck. The thuds turned into the sound of footsteps, and then it stopped. Anxiously, we all watched the deck to see what would jump down, but I don't think any of us were expecting to see what we did. A loud crash came from the deck, and in front of us was a man. A man who did not look right. It looked like he hadn't eaten in months, made up of only skin and bones. His eyes were pale and glazed over. He was almost bald with only a few strands of hair on the top of his head. His hair was silver, making him look old in addition to the wrinkles in his skin. His skin was as white as snow, and he was completely undressed. He seemed much taller than any man that I'd seen before. However, I couldn't tell you exactly how tall he was. He was on all fours. At that moment, I realized that what was on the other side of the screen glass door was not a man at all. It didn't even look human. It stared right through the glass at us, its pale, lifeless eyes not blinking or moving an inch. All of us looked right back at it, horrified. It screeched loudly, then jumped back onto the roof with ease, and we never saw it again. All of us were too scared to go to sleep, and once the sun came back out, we felt a sense of security that we hadn't felt that night. Jay had recorded the majority of the encounter, and after going through the tape multiple times, we were still at a loss for words. We never went back for our stuff on the trail that weekend, and a year later during the winter, we hiked back out to find that some of it was still there. However, we did not go unarmed. I wasn't a big believer of the paranormal before then. I would go urban exploring with the guys a lot before that, and we would see and hear things that we could never explain. But that stuff was easily ignored. This was different. This was real. It was tangible. I saw it with my own two eyes. I don't think I can ever unsee that thing or get it out of my mind. We got lucky that day. I've had trouble going back into those woods ever since, and I've been hesitant to stay at the cabin during ski season. Jay's grandfather has changed the locks since then, so I feel a bit safer than before, but part of me always feels as though someone is watching whenever I'm up there. Other encounters with something similar to what we saw have happened all over Vermont, and from what we found, it most accurately describes a Wendigo. The Wendigo is a legend created by the Algonquin people to deter those in the tribe from falling into the grasp of greed and to deter those who craved human flesh. But every legend has its truth. I can't be sure that what I saw was a Wendigo, but the description and similarities, they're uncanny. But whatever we saw may be, it still haunts me to this day, and I don't think I'll ever go back into those woods. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. 
Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wendigo in Maine. From Jacob P. Location, Maine. It was the summer of 2018. I went to visit my cousins in Maine. It was the one week of the year I'd get to be there and visit them. The night I got to their family lodge, something felt off there, but I brushed it off. The next morning, my cousin Aiden and I decided to go out on a bike ride. Sooner or later, my other cousins joined us, but they got too far ahead of us. Eventually, Aiden and I felt like we were being watched. We soon realized that the woods around us had gone quiet. My stomach was beginning to feel queasy, so I told Aiden that we should probably head back home. Even though he appeared to be creeped out, he said that he didn't want to go yet, but I insisted, and I told him I'd tell him why later. We began to bike back to the lodge, but we soon slowed down because we were winded. We were tired. It was then that we heard the scream. I looked back and I saw a humanoid shape on all fours in the tree line, but that's all I could see before we forced ourselves to continue at full speed. That was the end of it. The rest of the trip was fine, though Aiden and I kept to ourselves and avoided any more bike rides. Wendigo Sighting in New York From Johnny Cheap Location New York. This happened seven months ago. I was riding my dirt bike after school behind my house. There is a big field there that is owned by the town. As I was riding along the forest's edge, I heard this loud screech. I laughed because it had sounded funny to me, but what I saw next scared me. I stopped my dirt bike in its tracks to see what it was. At first, I honestly thought it was a very tall and skinny homeless man who was not wearing any clothes, but I realized that this thing was eight feet tall. This was beyond strange, but when I looked closer, I wished it really was just a crazy homeless guy because it looked at me and began to mimic almost perfectly the sound of my dirt bike. Immediately, I turned on my bike, and I peeled out of there so fast. I didn't know what it was, and I still don't, but I don't want to get anywhere near it. My House of Horrors From RAJ54 Location, British Columbia, Canada This is just one of the many stories I've had in my old childhood home, but needless to say, it's the worst. Ever since I was born, we had lived in this old house on the outskirts of my little village. Near this area, I have had plenty of encounters with otherworldly things, but you would think at least you'd be safe in your own home, right? Wrong. Ever since I was a kid, my family would have plenty of weird things happen to us. Finding car keys in the basement, even though my dad left them in the kitchen. Or the house landline phones randomly ring, and when we pick up, no one is there. You would think that's probably just prank callers or clumsy behavior. But the thing is, no one, and I mean no one, ever goes in the basement. And these prank calls happened five times a week. It was just too weird. Anyway, this little story happened when I was around eight years old. My parents went on a little no-kids holiday, 
and had hired a babysitter to look after us. They soon packed up for their three-day trip and headed off after giving us kisses. They said that the babysitter would be five minutes away after they left and that she knew that the spare key would be inside the pot outside. She would be able to let herself in. They said don't get into any trouble and then they were gone. Me and my siblings, my younger sister and my older brother, sat down on the couch and began to watch TV when suddenly the doorbell rang. The babysitter was early. We were confused as to why, so we looked out the little peephole to see a girl who looked about 15 years old. Obviously, we assumed that she was the babysitter, so we let her in. She said hello to all of us, then we went back to watching TV. She sat down and didn't really care much for the TV, but she did kind of just stare at us. We were new to this babysitter stuff. Our parents didn't usually leave like this. I assumed she was just making sure we all looked okay. She suggested we go into the backyard and play hide and seek. It was getting pretty dark now and it was the winter season so it was quite cold. Our parents had told us before leaving that we shouldn't go outside, especially at night and especially in this kind of cold but the babysitter insisted that we go. It was then that I knew that something was off. We started walking toward the door that led outside when the doorknob began to jiggle around. We were freaking out and backed up when we saw that whoever was outside was now unlocking the door. We hid behind the couch, huddled together, while the babysitter was telling us not to make a sound and that she would go and check it out. She left us there, tears welling up in our eyes. We waited. Soon we heard footsteps coming towards the living room. But there was only one pair, meaning the babysitter probably shooed the person away. Right? We stood up from behind the couch and looked up. We were trembling now because we saw a lady. She appeared to be in her mid-twenties. She said with a smile, there you guys are. And then she listed our names. We looked at her like she was a monster. But she looked back at us and said, What's wrong, guys? They said to be here at 8.30, right? And why are you looking at me like that? We looked at her still not saying a word until my older brother spoke up and said, The, the girl, our babysitter was already here. Where did she go? The woman looked at us and said, No, I'm Becky. I'm your babysitter. I looked at her and told her, No, no, there was this girl looking after us. She went to go see who was trying to open the door when you got here. She looked at us like we were crazy and said, What are you talking about? I'm your babysitter. I think all of us were quite confused. I tried to explain to her what had happened, but instead of listening to us, she called our parents and asked if they had booked a different babysitter. They said no and then asked why. She explained her weird situation. They both said that they would be back in the morning, then told us to lock all the doors and windows after making sure that no one else was inside. We didn't know how to react and just went to sleep after that. That night, I woke up to the sound of tapping on my window. I looked out into the moonlight, and to my horror, I saw this girl's silhouette by the window. It was thinner now, much skinnier. I hid under my blanket and tried to fall asleep, but I couldn't, knowing that it was watching. Ever since then, I never did have another encounter with that thing. I do not know if it was paranormal. Perhaps it was a wendigo trying to trick us into being devoured. All I know is that I hope it never happens again. Wendigo at Ochingian from Aiden Sea. Location, Scotland. A couple of years ago, my scout group went to Ochingian for three weeks. 
nothing too bad, just a simple camp. But me and a few others were tasked to venture deep into the woods and set up camp. The first few days were fun, but around 12 p.m. one night, the tent flap suddenly flew open. There was a cold breeze which smelled strongly of copper, and then the forest just went quiet. The following morning, we were heading back, which would take a few more days, but before we left, we saw strange footprints and noticed that some of the trees had the bark torn right off of them. On our way back, we heard my friend's voice, and for the sake of anonymity, we'll call him Mike. Mike's voice came a few hundred feet within the woods. He was calling for help, but something was wrong. His voice was sort of monotone, like he had forgotten how to speak properly. And that's when we caught a glimpse of something. Something crouched down below the bushes, calling out, mimicking Mike's name. We hightailed it out of there and got far enough away that we felt comfortable. We set up camp again, and the next morning we made it back to the cabin. We told nobody, as we knew that they would not believe us. I'm going to Ochingian again soon with my school, and I warned my classmates, but only one believed me. The Monster of 4th Street From Squidney 22 Location, Manitoba, Canada This happened about a year ago in December in my rural town located in Manitoba. I was 15 at the time this occurred. I won't say the town's name for privacy reasons, but to give you an idea, it has a lot of farmland and bush around the outskirts of the town. We lived on 4th Street, not so far from the center of town. We lived far enough though that you can see the woods from our backyard, a good 50 feet away. I've seen lots of animals out there, like deer, coyotes, and such. We had set up a fence there so that our two German shepherds wouldn't run off back there and get lost. My sister Jade and my brother Liam were home with me one night. We were home alone as my mom was working nights, and I was the babysitter. I had just put Liam to bed when my sister came running through the front door after taking the garbage out crying and screaming hysterically. I was trying to calm her down. Mind you, she was 12 years old, so it was quite a shock to see her cry like this. She wasn't scared of the dark, and she hadn't been for a very long time. After I could somewhat understand her, I asked her what was wrong. That's when she gave me the most worrying look I'd ever seen from her. She described it to me a big animal that had almost no fur with pale, wrinkled skin. It stood on four long, skinny legs and looked as if it were six feet tall. She said that it had antlers like a deer, but she could not make out the face as it had been turned away from her, looking the opposite way. I had a sick feeling in my gut, because what she described could have been a bull elk with chronic wasting disease. When the animal has the disease, it loses all control of its brain and becomes zombie-like. I had to make sure what she saw was real so that I could get a hold of my mother and have the game control put it out of its misery. I threw on my jacket and ran outside to the end of our driveway. I was met with the garbage bag she had dropped. The smell from it was awful, like rotting meat and God knows what else. I hadn't noticed this smell before she took it outside, though, so maybe it wasn't coming from the garbage. I then looked up to my right. Down the road, approximately 60 feet away, was the most horrid-looking thing I'd ever seen. It was a big beast with gray skin and patches of thin fur. It was stumbling across the road in the snow. It had antlers and long, skinny legs, just like she had described. I felt bad for the thing, though. I wanted to get a closer look at it to make sure it was not an elk that was sick. I needed to know what to tell the game wardens to look out for. I got ten steps from my driveway down the pavement when it stopped under the streetlight. I stopped walking. What if it charges at me, I thought to myself. It slowly turned its head 
and what I was faced with will always haunt me. There was a pale face and black holes where its eyes should have been. It had a flat nose and cuts for nostrils. This was no normal animal. It opened its human-like mouth and revealed sharp, jagged teeth, then let out the most ear-piercing scream. I was frozen with terror, and it was starting to move towards me. I turned around and booked it back to my house. I was running faster than my feet could keep up with. I got inside and slammed the door shut. Jade was in the living room with the dogs, cowering all together on the couch. The dogs knew that whatever that thing was, it was dangerous. I told Jade to lock the doors and the windows and to close the blinds. As she did, she stopped in her tracks by the window, because that thing was now in front of our house. My heart sank. Was it going to come for us? Would it stalk me or Jade while we went for our evening walk with the dogs? Were we going to live through tonight? The dogs, Jade and I, ran to Liam's room and laid with him. We lay there for what felt like hours and eventually we fell asleep. I woke up to the sound of my phone ringing. My mom was outside the house back from work. When I let her in, I debated telling her about what we saw, but I decided against it as she was quite skeptic about things like this. She would never believe us. No normal person would. I for one believe what I saw though. I know it was a Wendigo. I have not seen it since, and I hope I'll never see it again. Before this, only my sister and I knew the story, but now you do too. Deep Woods Wendigo Encounter From Your Worst Nightmare Location, New York I found myself on an expedition deep into the forest. To be more precise, it was the High Peaks Wilderness, which is an area within the Adirondacks. Brought along a buddy of mine, who you can call Trailmaster, and a friend of mine named Nymph. The trails here are endless, beautiful mountain ranges filled with mile after mile of dense woods, the true definition of beautiful and dangerous. After hiking for most of the day, we must have traveled just under three and a half miles. Trailmaster found a good spot for us to settle down for the night. A slight breeze was blowing in from the northeast as the sun was on the verge of setting. We'd have at least two and a half hours of daylight left. Trailmaster set out to gather wood and Nymph went to collect water from a nearby creek. I worked on setting up our three tents for the night. All of a sudden, Nymph came running back to camp without the canteens. The sound of her panting, followed by her dropping to the dirt on her knees, was enough to leave me in awe. Believe me when I say I know Nymph, and it's unusual for her to be panting like that. I did my best to calm her down while trying to get answers. What's the matter? I asked. Just as Trailmaster returned with a bundle of sticks. What's wrong with her? He asked. This is what Nymph told us. She had just arrived at the creek and found a good spot. Just as she began filling the canteens, the cliché sound of a twig snapping was heard. The sound was enough to startle her. The sound originated from the other side of the creek. She brushed it aside as an animal probably spooked by her presence and kept filling. Then she heard it again, except the sound was louder and seemed much closer this time. It caught her by surprise, and she was forced by instinct to look in the direction the sound had come from. What she heard next was an audible grunting sound, the type a male white-tailed deer might take. The feeling of dread washed upon her. She felt as if she should not be there. Then there was the feeling of her being watched. It made her extremely uncomfortable, almost to the point of being disoriented. She rose to her feet and took a few steps back, what she then saw across the creek chilled her. Partially obstructed by trees, a pair of antlers and what looked to be legs, hind legs, stood. She could hear a loud grunting coming from behind the trees. She thought it was a deer. Her better judgment kicked in, though, 
and she thought to herself, what deer around these parts isn't afraid of being so close to a human? She ran back to camp when the grunts became louder and started to sound almost threatening. Are you sure of this story? Trollmaster asked with a hint of uncertainty in his voice. Nymph didn't even answer him, instead giving him a cold stare. It was most likely a deer. Are you afraid of a deer? said Trellmaster. I, on the other hand, gave Nymph the benefit of the doubt. Nymph, even in her current state, was capable of describing what she saw, heard, and felt. It was her senses and gut feeling that made her run away. Trailmaster opted to go take a look at that area where Nymph had been. Nymph was reluctant, she would not go back, so Trailmaster set out alone. Nymph and I stayed at camp, all while I was debating whether or not we should relocate. But first, I would wait for Trailmaster to get back. When Trailmaster arrived at the area of the creek where Nymph had been, this is what he observed. Footprints, which looked like Nymph's, headed in the direction of our camp, and empty canteens were scattered across the ground. On the other side of the creek, there were prints resembling an animal, maybe a deer. The only problem, though, was the spacing of the prints and how something about them appeared missing or wrong. A deer typically walks on all fours, but upon closer inspection, Trailmaster came up with the conclusion that this deer had probably been walking on two legs. The prints formed a trail, and the trail seemed to have emerged somewhere in the woods. It continued for a few meters, stopped at the opposite edge of the creek, then turned around and headed back in the direction they originated from, without overlapping the original set. Trailmaster later did admit that it spooked him a bit, and he felt uneasy about it. He arrived back at camp half an hour later with our filled canteens. As for our camp, even if we wanted to move, it would be nearly impossible, as the sun was already setting. Fast forward two and a half hours, our tents were pitched, the campfire was lit, and dinners were being served. But due to today's events, we decided that one of us should stay awake while the others slept. It was just too dark to move at the moment. My tent was only a foot away from Nymph's, and there was a good reason for that. Trailmaster's tent had been pitched a good five meters away because he's a light sleeper, but we had to move his tent closer to ours. The perimeter of our camp was set with a trap which would sound if someone tripped the wire. It was some tin cans and fishing line. Primitive, but it worked. Nymph didn't say much more about the incident that night, and I don't blame her. She was still shaken up, even with my promise to keep her safe. Trailmaster's findings at the creek only made things more worrisome. Thinking about what Nymph saw and what Trailmaster found made me uneasy. The darkness around us, followed by the eerie silence of the woods and the uncertainty of what's out there, it was unsettling. The sound of burning wood was the only sound loud enough to distract us from sudden faint sounds in the distance. The mind can play tricks on you. That night, it seemed like a dark figure was always standing a few meters outside our camp, just beyond the light's reach. Every rustle in the bush was something trying to sneak up on us. Every sound had a source. It's those sounds that make a night in the woods so magical or terrifying. Trailmaster and Nymph were asleep, and I was on watch. The sounds of crickets at night was nature's lullaby, which was on the verge of putting me to sleep myself, when all of a sudden, it all stopped. I realized I had fallen asleep for a while while on watch. Nymph said that she had awoken sometime during the early hours of the morning, around 0400. She found both myself and Trailmaster out. The air outside of the tent was filled with a putrid smell. She described it as rotting flesh. It seemed to linger. A weeks-old carcass already in the stages of decomposition. It was that bad, she said. Nymph, alarmed by the smell, woke both of us up. We obviously had not smelled anything hours before. I did a check of the perimeter and found nothing out of the ordinary. We did feel as if we were being watched, which itself was quite overwhelming. The smell, though, faded within the hour, but only after we made some noise. It was only during first light about two hours later did we notice it. 
prints from what I assumed to be of a deer just a few meters away. Trailmaster confirmed that these were identical to the prints he had found by the creek. Trailmaster said that it was probably just a random deer. Though what I found weird was the way the prints were spread out. They appeared to pace back and forth for a while, then took off vertically. Trailmaster then noted that there seemed to be a missing pair of hoof prints. It was just hind legs again. But there was no mistaking that the prints were definitely from a deer. What made me feel uneasy was the zigzag pattern of the footprints, which were strikingly similar to the way a human walks. Trailmaster was tempted to follow the set of footprints, which headed in another direction. Nymph was hysterical and had no intention of doing such a thing. She said that the whole ordeal just seemed odd and downright creepy. A freaking deer creature, weird prints, and not to mention the stench. Whatever it was appeared to be following us, and we had no intention of meeting it. I urged Trailmaster to forget about it. Instead, we should just keep moving. Third time's the charm, I said. Let's not be around for it. We were on the move for most of the day. Nymph was still terrified. Trailmaster did not experience the same feelings, hence why he opted to go investigate the prince before. He seemed fine being on point. Nymph admitted how she thought the creature was still following us. I told her to stay close. I don't know what made her think that, but I knew better than to doubt her. If that creature had been following us, it probably followed at a distance. Then again, nothing would be more terrifying than to suddenly turn around and see a pair of antlers sticking out from behind a tree, or for one of us to be singled out in the middle of nowhere. Despite all that had happened, we managed to reach our destination unscathed. All seemed quiet. Any and all feelings of dread vanished as well as the feeling of being watched. The atmosphere felt lighter as we moved out of the area. Perhaps we were in its territory, so it felt the need to make its presence known but we no longer felt threatened. Nothing else significant happened that's worth mentioning. I think we got lucky on that trip. Whatever it was, perhaps it decided to spare us, or perhaps it was just curious. We simply don't know. I'd like to think that it's still out there, waiting for the next group of hikers who venture off the trail into the vast unknown. Be careful in the woods. Bizarre Encounter in the Woods from Hussein. Location, unknown. This happened in January of 2019, when me and a couple of friends of mine decided to camp for one night in the woods that were around 30 miles away from my house. It was our winter break, and we had nothing interesting to do, so we thought it was best to try camping and to have some fun. It took us a couple of hours to reach the destination, by then, it was 1 p.m. The place was pretty nice with lots of greenery, and we soon found a clearing where we could set up camp. At daytime, the place felt amazing, and we spotted a couple of deer as well. We guys were having the time of our lives until the sun began to set. The place began to give me creeps. At this point, I would mention that there were four of us, including myself, and we all agreed then that it was time to prepare the tents. We went to bed around midnight. I was sharing a tent with my friend Rick, and my other two friends, Sean and Yusuf, were sharing their tent. I remember having a short conversation with Rick before dozing off. He told me how he felt weird about this, how he felt eyes watching us. I told him that he was just being paranoid, and there's nothing to worry about. Then we went to sleep. I woke up some time in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I looked at my phone and it was two in the morning. I never bothered to tell Rick that I was heading out to use the bathroom. I got out of the tent and went to the edge of the woods, finishing my business. It was then that I noticed how oddly quiet it was, no sounds of nature around me. I didn't really think much of it until after the events. When I came back, Rick was still asleep so I laid down gently and went back to bed. Right when I was about to doze off, I saw an outline of someone standing in the middle of our clearing. I first thought it was one of my friends, who also needed to use the bathroom. But whoever it was was just standing there, not moving a single muscle. 
I soon came out of my sleepy state and set up. I looked more closely and saw that the figure was too tall to be any of my friends, or even too tall to be a normal person. I suddenly noticed that its hand was very skinny and long as well. They appeared to be bald and slightly hunched over. Whoever they were, they were not part of our group. Quickly yet quietly, I woke up Ricky. He asked what was going on. I told him to look outside the tent and sure enough the person was still there and he saw it too. Ricky though thought it was a drunk man or some crazy person trespassing on our campsite in the middle of the night. Then he did something dumb. He took his phone out and crawled out of the tent. I followed him in a panic. I was about to stop him but it was too late. He shone the torchlight on the person or what I thought was a person. What I saw next has been burned into my memories. It was already facing us, as if waiting for us to make a move. It was at least nine feet tall, hunched over in its back. It was so skinny, it appeared to have not eaten for years. Its hands were very long, almost touching the ground. The hands were claws. Its legs were too skinny as well, and the skin was white, white as snow. Its eyes were orange and almost seemed to glow, and its mouth was full of sharp teeth. It appeared to be smiling. Rick screamed, and the creature did the same. Sean and Yusuf came running out of their tents and saw the creature as well. It ran away on all fours into the woods. All the while, we were just standing there, petrified. We packed our stuff when we were able to move again, and we left for home in no time, but we heard that screaming coming from random spots in the forest all night. We loaded everything inside the big SUV and basically threw ourselves into the car. Yusuf floored the car, and we got out of there. But I will never forget those orange eyes. Lakeside Nightmare From Carly 2025 Location Colorado. It's difficult for me to share this, but something in my mind is telling me I should. I was 19 at the time, and it was a lovely late summer. I was a very adventurous woman who would go on yearly camping trips to a secluded lake in the dense woodlands of Colorado. My two female cousins, Cass and Elle, were avid outdoor lovers as well, when our yearly camping trip came up, I remember being so excited. Cass owned a small camper that slept four, and that was usually what we used. We met up at our usual spot and started the three-hour-long drive. We got there and were excited to find we had an entire site to ourselves. Lucky, right? I remember how beautiful it was with towering pines and the lake was so breathtaking. We quickly set up our campfire. The first night was weird. We could hear the distant yelling of some kind of animal out there, but we didn't let it bother us. That is until we came outside the next morning, where we found hoofprints just beyond the camper, and I mean bigger than my entire hand. We figured it was just a large elk wandering the campsite, so we went about our day as normal. When the sun began to dip behind the trees, I began to feel uneasy. I wasn't sure why. We cooked up our supper at the fire and set out for a while. We began to notice that all the nightlife had grown quiet, which made me feel even more unnerved because I had always been taught that when the animals go silent, it's because they're afraid of a predator nearby. But I shook my head thinking I was just scaring myself. What we heard next is still trapped in my mind. From the trees close by, too close, we heard a horrible screech. It was so loud that it coaxed screams out of all of us, even if Cass didn't scare easily. We all looked at each other with the widest eyes, not moving for a moment, trying to process what we all just heard. The sounds of something moving in the tree line caught our attention. The fire was bright, but we could only see as far as the tree line. A sudden feeling of dread came over me, and I almost felt sick. There were chills throughout my whole body, and I could hear heavy breathing coming from those dark trees. 
we were definitely not alone. With fast movements, we all ran into the camper, nearly tripping over our own feet in fear. Al shut and locked the door, and we all just stood there in silence, waiting for whatever it was out there to move. And it did just that. Its heavy footsteps drew closer, and I began to feel like I was going to cry. But then it stopped. Nothing but the sound of the nearby water gently lapping at the shore and the crack of our still burning fire. Maybe it's gone, Elle whispered. I moved towards the window by the door and moved the curtains aside. What I saw standing there has made me fear the woods forever. Standing right next to our camper was some sort of creature. It was similar to an elk, but it was grotesque, standing on two legs hunched over and covered in matted brown fur. Its arms were long and had clawed fingers at the ends. I gasped, and it seemed to have heard me because it snapped its head towards the camper so fast it made me wince. The light of the fire was being blocked, so I could barely make out the face, but I remember it being horrible, looking like an elk, but it was deformed. I closed the curtain fast and nearly jumped away, bumping into Cass. We could hear it moving around the camper now, bumping into it occasionally, causing the whole thing to shake. Objects fell over and we began to panic. Cass grabbed one of our phones from the counter and began to dial the emergency line, but out here, the signal was dodgy at best. Then whatever the thing was attacked the front of the camper. The sound of groaning metal was a sound that I can't forget. In a rush of terror, we all went for one place in the camper that had no windows, the tiny little bathroom. We stayed in there for hours, holding each other and crying as the entire camper shook violently and the crushing of metal was so loud my ears began to pound. But then, like a light switch, it all just stopped. No crunching metal, no more snarls, no more anything. I can't remember falling asleep, but when I did wake up, Cass and Elle were just beginning to stir. We came out of the bathroom and went towards the door. My hand was shaking so much it took me a few tries to get it open. We stepped outside and the morning light greeted us, somehow making us feel a bit more safe. But all that security was shattered when we came around to the front of the camper. It was a gnarled mess of twisted metal and shredded wires. Whatever the thing was, it had ripped the whole engine to pieces. I couldn't help but think that this thing knew exactly what it was doing. It was trying to keep us from escaping. But luck was on our side that day, because another group of campers had chosen our side of the lake to camp at, and they gave Elle a lift into town. We were home by dinner time that same day. Be careful out there, because myths and legends may turn out to be more true than you realize. There, there, don't be too scared. As long as you don't get too hungry, you won't turn into a wendigo. Oh, you're wondering why I'm putting salt on my skin? There's nothing wrong with a little bit of extra flavor. Why do I look so delicious? Well, that's just what my mama gave me. Why are you biting me? Oh, there was just a mosquito on my arm. You scared me. But if you keep that up, you could become a wendigo. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you have your own story to tell, you can share it with us at darknessprevails.org. You can always support the show, too, by going to patreon.com slash darknessprevails, or check out our merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darknessprevails. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous usual video about 10 gigantic monster sightings. Austin Krakella says, Oh, yeah. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you put a first comment. Lita Wolf Webb says, You should do stories of Mormon missionaries. Anyone that just randomly walks up to your door is a creepy story waiting to happen. So, yeah, I bet there are some weird stories out there. Not So Silent Bob Z says, Giants? Yes, thank you. It was definitely a video topic I have no idea why I didn't do yet. But there you go, and I really hope you liked it. Yeeder Yang says, I want to meet a friendly giant, not a bad giant, 
I'm going to bed with these stories. Did you literally go to sleep with these stories? Or was that your way of saying that you were physically attracted to these stories? And as for the giants, the bigger, the better. There ain't no such thing as a bad giant, cause that's a whole lot of flesh to love. Jerrica Hacking says, I have a giant monster. Do you want to guess what it is? Hmm. Is it the demons that barely fit in your closet from that tragic event in your life that you try to forget about, but you can't, and it keeps you awake night to night until it affects the performance at your job, causing you to stress even more over fear of being fired? That's pretty giant to me. Or maybe you're just talking about what's in your pants. If that's the case, congratulations. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. But don't you worry, because more scary stories are on the way soon. So stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. They're awesome people. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy. Because this world is a strange one. <laughs>